Hey guys, welcome to Lords of Order, a DC Dr. Fate fan podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore. Episode 80 ahead, and there are spoilers for a book that is 74 years old, but spoilers nonetheless. If you want to send feedback, Lords of Order has Facebook and Google Plus pages. You can do so there. You can tweet the show at Teal, T-E-A-L, Productions, BigTimeNoise.com slash Dr. Fate is the website, and the Dr. Fate Fan Podcast at gmail.com is the email address. Now, the story this episode comes from All-Star Comics, the 1940 volume, issue 12, cover dated August-September 1942. The story is entitled The Black Dragon. Now, for those of you that may not be familiar with the way All-Star Comics is, uh, it's a group book. You have a an opening and a closing framing sequence to start and sum up the story. Then in between, each of the heroes present in the book typically goes on their own mission to accomplish the goals that were set forth in the beginning bracket. And then they all come together and laugh and cavort and whatever at the end. So our opening and closing brackets for this issue were scripted by Gardner Fox, penciled and inked by Jack Burnley. The Dr. Fate portion of the book was scripted by Gardner Fox, penciled and inked by Bernard Klein. And for those that are so inclined, All-Star Comics Archives number 3 from uh, DC 1997, you can find this issue of All-Star Comics, the original All-Star Comics run, reprinted. Now we start out with a splash page that has our roll call. Hawkman, Dr. Midnight, Sandman, Starman, the Atom, Johnny Thunder, the Spectre, Dr. Fate. Honorary members, Superman, Flash, Batman, and Green Lantern. Now our narrator tells us, in my best narration voice, Amid the chaos of a war-sundered world, the Justice Society has taken its place beneath the stars and stripes, and has organized into a fighting unit known as the Justice Battalion, acting on special assignment from the War Department itself. The Black Dragon menaces the Western world. Strange, fanatical assassins and spies robed in black with white globe of their order inset upon it. They hold Japan in thrall, even as they hope to hold the Pacific in the future. Against this deadly danger, the Justice Battalion takes the field. And we have uh, an image of uh, all eight of the members that I mentioned uh, running kind of towards you, a little off to the side. So our opening sequence here, we see the leader of the Black Dragon Society appears to be an older uh, oriental gentleman, glasses and a a beard, kind of uh, almost a Fu Manchu takeoff, but not exactly. And he is addressing other members of the Black Dragon Society, and indeed they are dressed in black with white spheres on the front and back of their shirt. He's telling them that they must... Uh, defeat the U.S. by securing a series of weapons that have recently been invented. We then cut across the Pacific, the narrator tells us, to a Justice Society meeting where Hawkman is introducing Wonder Woman, who has volunteered to be secretary while we are at war, he says. So they start out with talking about an FBI report on the Black Dragon Society. 
they're not sure what to do. They're actually waiting for word from the War Department as to exactly how they should handle it. But they have they they feel the Justice Society that the Black Dragon Society is probably the the most important thing that they have to do right now. We see that there are a series of thefts that go on around the U.S., around the world, hitting American inventions, stealing them, uh, which is exactly what the Black Dragon Society set up to do. The War Department is getting word after word after word of these, this continual series of, of hits against their, their properties and their peoples until finally the man in charge of the war department um, doesn't say his name but he just tells an underling to get the justice battalion on to the black dragon to secure these inventions that were stolen to get them back and we see this emissary rush into the meeting of the justice society with a letter telling everyone what they are supposed to do and conceivably where they are supposed to do it as they don't discuss individual missions. They all just seem to head off on them knowing uh, what is expected already. With, I will add, the final panel, the narrator tells us, a wistful look enters the lovely eyes of Wonder Woman and she says, good luck boys and I wish I could be going with you. And she says that because, uh, being the newest member, she volunteered to uh, stay back, represent the Justice Society while the boys are off to fight their war. In case anything else happens, um, help disseminate any information, any other changes, you know, whatever may come down. All right, flipping through here to the Dr. Fate story, we see that he has been assigned to recover a tank that was last spotted in the desert uh, of what I presume is the American Southwest because of some uh, ancillary characters that will come up here in a minute. Uh, Dr. Fate encounters the tank, quickly dispatches the crew that's inside. There are some pretty racially insensitive caricatures, uh, perhaps... Not too over the top here, but uh, we see that Fate wins, takes the tank, physically is driving the tank actually, back to the um, American units where it came from as it was being driven away from said location by the Japanese agents, agents of the, well, they're Japanese agents working um, for Black Lotus. And we see a messenger come in to tell the commanding general that the tank has been uh, taken back over and is returning. Now, that leader is drawn in probably one of the most stereotypical oriental caricatures that I believe I have seen in a very, very long time. Uh, it's, it's reminiscent of uh, late 30s and early 40s Warner Brothers animation caricatures. I mean, it's it's really stereotypical. But it seems that the Japanese have taken captive the women and children of a particular tribe of Native Americans and is using them as their cannon fodder, their foot soldiers. So they send the Indians out to retrieve the tank. 
they have a, a trick up their sleeve. Uh, one of them has an arrow that has glass vials of uh, special powders that, upon contact with the air, form a gas from one of the from from their medicine man. So. Some of the arrows that are shot against the tank, of course, arrows are not going to have any effect against the armor, but they they break up and infuse the inside, suffuse the inside, I'm not sure which word it is, with the gas and the one weakness that at this time fate has, his body is impervious uh, for the most part to anything humans can conceive, anything physical, material. However, his lungs, if you can attack his lungs, you can poison him, put him to sleep, stun him, whatever, via air intake into the lungs. Um, So he does ultimately succumb, not keeping him captive. The Indians secure the tank to take back to their Japanese masters, tossing Dr. Fate out into the desert. So he comes to, and a bit wobbly, uh, flies in the direction that the tank treads, as far as he can discern, went. Um, now, this flying is a little bit better than the flying that has been in more fun comics. He is not the running flying uh, that I have mentioned before, but oddly enough, because he has just gained consciousness and perhaps is not all there, um, he is flying supine, but kind of wiggly, kind of by the way that the... Um, movement lines are drawn. So I can see him kind of wobbling like um, uh, maybe like the greatest American hero, if you guys remember that show, when he first tried flying with that suit. I I envision it being kind of like that until Kent Nelson uh, pulls himself back together. So he um, sees that the Indians have stopped for the night. Uh, Apparently they're too far away from their Japanese masters to go the full way, so they have stopped and made camp. Uh, which I thought was an interesting decision. But Dr. Fate encounters them, descends upon them. Uh, They tell him, look, you know, we are as much American as anyone else, but we're doing this for the Japanese because they have our women and children, and they say they're going to kill them if we don't do these kind of things. So we have to do them. We can't lose our women and children. Dr. Fate understands. I I feel you, he says in, of course, 1940s vernacular. So he goes on ahead. The Indians tell him where where they're going. Um, He goes on ahead, encounters the Black Lotus-led Japanese masters of this particular Indian tribe. Knocks them hither and yon and, and wherefore and what for with all kinds of quips. Those stars you see now give a lot of light, don't they? Or do you like lamp light better as he's smacking them around with one of those um, kerosene lamps? Hiya, boys. Glad to see you on my side, he says, as the the Indians have finally arrived, um, bringing the tank, presumably. But they see that Dr. Fate is dispatching the Japanese, and so they decide to join in as this is their chance to be freed of their uh, slave masters. So a fight ensues between the Native Americans and Dr. Fate on one side and the Japanese soldiers who somehow have found themselves, uh, which I I didn't really address, uh, found themselves inside, let's say, a mountain or inside a mesa in the American Southwest. Um, I'm not sure what it would require to get a, a contingent of Japanese soldiers that far inland 
secretly, but I would imagine it was quite a job. Uh, Particularly at this time when our own oriental-looking citizens were rounded up and put in internment camps uh, at the the start of the war. So you know that anyone that remotely looks like what we assumed at the time was oriental was of very high suspicion after after Pearl Harbor, of course. So how they managed to get a contingent of soldiers that far inland uh, is is beyond me, but they did. Um, Okay, back to the story. Sorry, guys. Uh, The... Indians slash Dr. Fate win. Uh, Of course. The Indians then follow Dr. Fate when he turns in the tank and the Japanese soldiers to War Department representatives because the Indians volunteer to enter the war on behalf of America with Dr. Fate saying, I brought you some volunteers, Major. These Indians ought to be great fighters in the Asiatic jungles. It's a great idea, all right. Now, I don't know why people who live in the desert and are used to a desert life would be well-suited for jungle fighting, but I'm not sure if that's some sort of – is that a a stereotypical um, smear there? I'm not sure. I I couldn't figure out the connection. But I'm going to believe Dr. Fate. You know, he's magic and all – and he thinks that it'll work, so okay, we'll go. We'll assign all the Indians to, uh, you know, I don't know, Guadalcanal to fight for us in the Philippines or, you know, something like that. At the end of his story, as has been the case with the end of every story, Johnny Thunder found himself in a situation that he absolutely, as the human, could not get out of. So his thunderbolt at – Johnny Thunder's command, is running around getting all the members of the society together to help Johnny Thunder with his mission. Uh, Conveniently, the Thunderbolt is arriving at the end of all of the individual members' mission. So they're they're ready to go anyways, and uh, Thunderbolt, uh, Johnny Thunder's Thunderbolt provides the ride. Johnny Thunder's tale was the last of the individual member tales, and you can see where he did not fare as well as the rest of our heroes, ended up getting himself captured, ordered the Thunderbolt to retrieve the rest of the Justice Society to help uh, Johnny out of his predicament, all in the in the last feature, so he has been going through all the subsequent features. Now he has pulled them all together. They have all arrived in time to save Johnny just as a Black Lotus member is about to uh, deliver the felling blow. Looks like he was going to decapitate him, actually, uh, by this rather interesting um, Arabian sword being wielded by a an Oriental gentleman. Uh, interesting there. So the Justice Society dispatches uh, the various members, saves Johnny Thunder, who says that, thanks, guys, I appreciate it. But, you know, I had things in hand. I I was good. I was about to wrap this up, and finally he gets cut off by Starman. You know, yeah, okay, whatever, Johnny. You were tied up, yada, yada, yada. So a little bit of humor there. Um, The end of the story, we see... The narrator tells us later that day the battalion meets once again to file its report with Wonder Woman acting as secretary. And she's reading from the official report. The culprits were then turned over to Major 
McNichols of the Intelligence Department. Thus ends our activity. Oh, Johnny, what are you reading? As she sees that he's standing uh, in front of this book dais with this huge book laid open. Johnny says, I've been reading this book to find out what a dragon is. And you know what? There ain't no such thing as a dragon. No wonder I couldn't find him. Which reminds me, I've been saying Black Lotus. I apologize. Black Dragon was the name of the evil uh, group. And that's what you have when you try to do stuff like this off the cuff instead of reading notes like I really ought to do. But I I try not to use notes because they create a whole different kind of problem for me. The final page... Uh, not final, final page, but one of the final pages, we have a uh, an update on Wonder Woman. As of the All-Star issue 11, the reading public fans were asked whether or not Wonder Woman should become a member. Now, I would assume that the answer was yes, because she was made a member, although a recording secretary, in this issue. Here, DC finally tells us that she has become a member of the Justice Society of America, and it will be made official as of this issue. And she even will get her own comic book uh, with her name on the title, her own comic book, not Sensation, which has been going, but a Wonder Woman comic book within the next few months because of how popular she has become, according to the fans. Now, uh, I don't know, you know, if that's true or they were planning to do that anyways. I'm not sure, but we see the introduction in the Justice Society of Wonder Woman and are given her own title by the esteemed William... Uh, Molten something. I forget his name. Anyways. Alright guys, next time out I will be talking about the current volume of Dr. Fate issue 17. And if you can hold out and tune in then, I will talk to you guys next time. Ciao. Lords of Order is a Teal production. And as such, is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, non-derivative, 3.0 unported license.